This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We will get to that report that shows Ontario drivers are overpaying shortly. But first, another day, another round of school strikes. Today, high school teachers in Peel and elementary teachers in Peel and York are walking the picket lines. Also, teachers in Ontario's French school system are holding a province-wide walkout today, the first since the inception of French-language school boards in 1997. And another first since the late 90s, members of all four teachers' unions will walk out together next Friday, February 21st. That walkout will affect two million students. So right now I'm going to get an update from Ontario Education Minister Stephen Lecce. Minister Lecce, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Libby. I appreciate it. Okay, so it seems that the position of the union that this is about cuts and uh, their walkout is not about money is resonating with the public. Uh, we had a public opinion poll earlier this week, which showed on two of them actually that on a whole bunch of questions, the public is moving toward the union position. They believe the union when it says that it's about education and not about the money. They believe the unions are being more fair and reasonable than the government. What's your reaction to that? And just so I'm clear, you're referring to the poll commissioned by the teachers union, OSSTF? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm referring to a DART poll, and then there was another Angus Reid poll. Right, one of which was commissioned by the Okay, union, one of them, most, but they both... Full disclosure, Livy, yep. that's important for people to hear. Okay, the yes. The source of the poll, but the star poll... I think it's actually quite interesting, Libby. It underscores broad level support for the government's position that compensation should be tied to the 1% that, you know, our educators, folks who work hard, we value that the $750 million increase is fair. The $1.5 billion demand is not. The population stands with the government strongly. They also agree overwhelmingly on Regulation 274 on the hiring practice. They agree that the government should try even incrementally to change the hiring practice, which the unions want to preserve, which works for them, 100% based on seniority in the union, not on their qualification, not on equity considerations, not on merit as a guiding principle of hiring new educators. So, And of course, the government has affirmed in writing the commitment of full-day kindergarten. The poll corroborates that that was the right thing to do. The population overwhelmingly wants FTK to stay. We agree. We put that in writing. Okay. So I, was just, I would just say this, Libby. Overall, what I'm hearing from the population is they want the government to be reasonable, um, and they also want the government to stand strong in the context of fighting for more investments in schools over heightened compensation increases. And I want people to know that, you know, we are going to remain squarely focused on, and as I mentioned yesterday at the Canadian Club when I was speaking, redoubling our efforts to get a deal. I just think parents deserve one, kids deserve one, and I'm going to work very hard, and I'm calling on the union today, as I did yesterday, to invoke private mediation 
a sensible option that could help us get a defensible outcome, a deal that I think all of us want and the kids deserve. Okay, I have a question on that in a moment. But first, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked uh, the union leaders the other day, because, again, those polls do show a little bit of movement towards the union position. I, I, The question is, why would you not say, given that the the public seems to be against those e-learning classes and also uh, the increase in class size, even though you have come off those a bit, uh, why wouldn't you say we stand for the 1%? We're not going above that, but we will back down on those two other issues. Would you say that? Well, I've always indicated actually on classroom sizes, which is the second issue you, know, you I think you're you're noting. Uh, I've actually always said that we want to retain low classroom sizes, and I stand ready through innovative ways to achieve that. I am fully committed to keeping classroom sizes low in this province. In fact, under our plan, we have the lowest classroom sizes in Canada by far when it comes to the earliest years in elementary. We're maintaining all day kindergarten, um, and these are important data points. But when it comes to any future changes. I am fully committed, Libby, to finding a pathway where those numbers remain low. But in a choice, in a, in a world of finite resources, it's a matter of, you know, budgets are philosophical documents of where your priority is. If we're going to keep classroom sizes low and keep redu- and try to reduce that number, you can't do that and add another $750 million in tax dollars for compensation. And I just think it's like we can't let this be an abstraction. The choice is to raise taxes on working people in the province of Ontario to pay for higher benefits and entitlements and and wages. And I choose to say no to that. I think that's unreasonable for folks who make in and around $92,000 if you're a OSS, you have a high school teacher. So, Would you make further concessions on those two points if, if they would agree to stick to the 1%? You know, we've already made significant moves, but I've indicated I, I've given my negotiating team the authority to drive a deal. I'm open to innovative ways to do that, including on classroom sizes. But it requires the unions to be willing to make some moves themselves. And, and I often bring this back to this point, Libby, with you and others, because, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, expectation in the question is that one authority should move. And I would argue that the, the people of Ontario want everyone to make some modest moves towards a deal. It really does take two to tango. It's not an expression. It's a reality at the table. And so I think if you're a parent listening, no. But I have given my team the latitude to drive a deal. I need the union to do the same. They cannot be intransigent. They cannot demand, um, you know, more uh, for compensation. Uh, whereas I'm saying I'd rather agree with them on more support in the schools. You know, in the QP deal, as a case study, we actually were able to attain the one percent uh, priority when it comes to compensation. But we also were able to add hundreds of new education assistants into schools to help kids with exceptionality. That's a win-win. And I actually agree with that investment, by the way, given the the increasing needs in schools. So I think there's a way forward here. I'm going to remain focused on on a negotiated settlement. It really is the best option. And my hope is that parents will take us up on the interim for our Support for Parents initiative, the financial support we've offered. Almost 500, over 550,000 people have done so, up to $60 a day. Just a small way we can help on the interim. But the long-term goal here, I'm not losing sight of as a priority, is a deal that provides continuity and predictability and ends the needless cyclical delays and frustrations the unions have mounted against every government of every stripe for 30 years. Okay. Um, Have you told your negotiators they they can make concessions on the uh, e-learning? 
I've told my negotiators to negotiate at the table, Libby. Uh, I would love one day to come on and talk more about uh, this in a retro- retrospective perspective, a discussion. But for now, they have the the, the, uh, the capacity to get a deal, and that's our focus. And with respect, you know, uh, the team is going to do that. But what I need the teacher unions to do is reciprocate, is to be willing. I mean, just as a case study, I came out with uh, our team with my instruction two Fridays ago, put in writing our commitment, a commitment I made to buy the, by the way, in the legislature of Ontario, but you know, in, in the seat of our democracy, but I made that commitment. And then I put it in writing. I codified it and they decided to add a second day and escalate further to the elementary teachers federation the next week. So I, I they seem sort of incongruent or like that you would make that good faith commitment. And then they would add another day of escalation impacting kids in the province and their, and their parents. But I'm going to continue to be a reasonable force to get a deal. Parents, should not be in the middle of this. And I've said this before, enough is enough. This happens far too often. Kids are being impacted, families financially. There's there's stress being imposed on them. And on the educator themselves, I think they want to be in the class. So the teacher union leaders need to heed the, the point to be uh, to redouble our efforts to accept private mediation. Can we okay, talk about this let, for a let me just let me just jump in and ask a question about that. Sam Hammond of the elementary teachers said that you have a perfectly good mediator now. Why are you insisting on a private mediator? The current one says there's no point getting you back to the table. You're too far apart. We've been we've almost started negotiating just under a year. Um, you know, and we've invoked, uh, you know, the Ministry of Labor mediator for many months, and we're grateful for her service. But at the end of the day, when there is an impasse, and the people of Ontario, the students of, our, of the province, the most vulnerable, are in the midst of this debate, not no fault of their own, as a casualty of teacher union-led escalation, I argue that every tool should be used in the toolkit to, to, to drive an outcome. And the fact that we have, in the QP negotiation a month ago, came to a similar impasse, Hyden's rhetoric and everything else that came with it, yet we didn't get a deal. And I benchmark our success by stability. And so we then chose private mediation. That union did not include preconditions. They did not suggest we have to accept all of their demands in order to consider private mediation. They just accepted it. And some days later, it led to a deal that, that ensured schools stayed open for every class in the province of Ontario. I cannot conceive why the teacher union would say to anyone that they oppose a relevance contemporary, and effective method to get a deal. And that's what I hope that they will accept. I've called them to do it for months, but I'm redoubling that request today. I just think it makes sense. And it's when you're at an impasse, which happens through this process, it's it's the nature of the ebb and flow of negotiations, why not accept another ability to drive a deal? With private mediation, it actually forced each and every party, the three of us, to get to that outcome that I thought was important. So I, I'm just trying to be a practical force saying, let's do it. Let's consider it. Let's use it. it. It seems to have worked just months ago. Okay. Stephen Lecce, thank you for being with us, and I hope there's better news the next time we talk to you. I hope so, too. Thanks so much, Libby. Okay. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.